Well, hello. It's Wednesday. And I'm Spencer. And this is the week 11 patch. This week, we have a cozy episode. Joining me is Jordan. I just woke up from a nap and I got an anime story. Zyger. Hey, what's good, everyone? Glad to be back. Missed you all. Let's move on to the scrum. The scrum. Sony is coming at us with another block of news that for once isn't all bad. They've reversed their decision on closing the PS3 and Vita store, and Sony Poland leaked that PS Plus is getting Movie Pass. So the Movie Pass thing is super weird because, like, I don't know about you guys, but Sony movies never really appealed that hard to me, and I don't know who necessarily is asking for these movies we will have a list of the movies linked into the show notes but they include random things like sausage party and a bunch of other like smaller films uh the 2018 venom is on that list it's like oh i enjoyed that movie but it's still not a movie that i like i or i know anyone else really is asking for uh, who asked for it? It was a Sony studio executive who asked for it, right? Like PlayStation is Sony's biggest money-making property. So the movie studio is always like, how can we get closer to PlayStation? So that's who asked for it. It's weird because um, going off on the movie things, I mean, it's a bunch of movies that I would watch. I'm not a representative who would be using this though, right? Like, Because the thing is, I won't. It's all these, it's a bunch of movies where it's like, oh, I was going to see that, but I wasn't going to see it in theaters. And then they're they're coming out now. It's weird because Sony did the thing where they just announced a week ago they're not doing any more um, any movies on the PlayStation Store, but yeah, then they're, they're adding movies. the movie store. Yeah, they're, they're taking out any movies from the PlayStation Store, but they're adding movies to another platform. But only kinda. It just seems like they're scrambling a little bit, uh, and they don't really know what's going on now. When you look at the uh, the PSC and Vita Store closing. I mean, PS5, PS5, PS3, PS4. The PS3 and Vita store closings are weird. Uh, Because, yes, I'm happy that we're getting those stores back. But no PSP? Just none? Like, like now I can't make all these, like, Vita shit jokes. Because now, apparently, PSP is shit. Because they didn't want to support it. Even though the PSP store and the PS Vita store, at least the digital fronts, were super integrated. As they were basically one store. Uh, so, but now we, they're not like being forget, forgotten. I feel like it's probably, a a big part of it is like after a certain point, who has the rights to some, a lot of those games, those games are like 10, 15 years old. Are those studios even in existence anymore? Can money be funneled through them? I feel like that's probably part of the decision. And the part of it is just like, we don't need to waste our server space on this because our server space is put together with duct tape. But yeah, basically. <laughs> it's super weird that the only one of those that had an only digital console oh, right. is the one that doesn't get it. The PSP Go is now, like, useless. They're just like, hey, thanks for the money, but we're not going to keep that store. Yeah, they could say that. They said that PSP can go to hell. Am I right? Yeah, I'm going to give myself <laughs> a high five. Yeah. Yeah, you would hope that they would somehow integrate those games onto the Vita store, but PSN being what it is. Integrate. Yeah. They can't integrate anything. That would require yeah. like wire, not just bubble gum and duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Epic Games has come to an agreement with indie game platform Itchio to promote the Itchio app on Epic Game Store. The deal with Itchio keeps all of the revenue. Oh, 
on. Epic Games has come to an agreement with indie games platform Itch.io to promote the Itch.io app on the Epic Games Store. The deal will see Itch.io keeping all of the revenue from the sales in the Itch.io app. Uh, this is great and also weird. Uh, the way that it's coming about is that Epic Games Store will have an Itch app. Uh, people say Itch.io, people say Itch, I say Itch. It's all the same jazz. Uh, they're going to have a app in the Epic Game Store that connects you to Itch, which effectively has everything on Itch available through the Epic Game Store platform. It's just like you use the use the app, you get into a store, you're just on Itch.io, basically. Which means that like potentially a lot of the people that are looking at Epic Games Store can now go to Itch and see the wealth of indie games that are there, which allow like those devs on itch the big thing with itch is that uh it's a place for experimental games it's a place for, place for small games but it's also a place where people can decide how much money is being spent on their games goes to them and how much gets, goes to itch as far as the the split and some people get all all the money so it's giving them an opportunity to get more money for the games that are being sold which is interesting uh cuz people like to joke on that big game store because it's never going to be like a steam but like if if you think about like Steam is like Disney, Epic Game Store is like like Blockbuster, <laughs> a thing that like doesn't need to exist, but it's, it's, it was big at one. It was big. That, that's a decent size. Uh, Itch is the mom and pop store that you know has had its had its better days. So now that it's getting that like that access and people are seeing it, uh, it's a good lot great. Some indies don't want it there. Some people don't want to deal with these big uh, companies like Epic or anything like that at all. But a lot of them now have access to more eyes and more eyes seeing what games can be like all the innovative things, all the cool things that are happening in games and small indie games they are happening on itch and games that you find on steam or Epic are on itch. Like we should talk a game. If you buy it on itch.io, you can get me more money and who, who doesn't want to support the indies like myself. Yeah, it's really nice to see that Epic Game Store is allowing Itch, Itch.io to keep all revenue from sales because it's like they can afford it since their Fortnite money has just keep rolling in, especially during this past couple months. It's like, oh, it's nice that they're somehow in some sh- sort of way supporting smaller developers. So I like that aspect of it. But yeah, seeing bigger game companies become even bigger is still a little scary. <laughs> Yeah, it's the one time I haven't been like, ooh, that's like, yeah, I was kind of like, that was a good, it's like a goodwill kind of like gesture from Epic in a way too, because they're not, they're not going to get money from Itch.io because the app is like basically like closed off in how that works. So that's cool. Um, I'm excited to see, like, I forget Itch.io exists, which is sad. Like I for, like I have it and I forget it. To like check it so when i check oblets i'll be like oh yeah it's right there yeah this this deal like it kind of came out of nowhere you might say it this deal was unreal but it's a great deal <laughs> nice nice discord has decided to go its own way and stopped talks with microsoft on a rumored 10 billion dollar buyout of the chat and streaming service fueling the rumors that it's gonna have an its own ipo yay Yay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's nice to see that Microsoft can't buy whatever it wants all the time, especially with $10 billion. 
it's also nice to see like startups of that size not be like hey yeah 10 10 billion dollars like instagram couldn't like hold out like they saw a huge buyout yeah the facebook buyout and they were like well all right that's a billion dollars that's a lot of money for me i mean the guy who made this yeah same oculus did that thing too so i i'm it's great because it's great and it has me feeling multiple ways because it has me feeling like I used, I used to think about Discord. It's like a little old Discord that just that's a thing that people use in games and blah, blah, blah. And then the last three years, it is is gone way beyond that. And it's kind of this mega corporation at this point, because if they're. They're worth more than 10 billion dollars theoretically now, right? Like it's like someone offered them that and they like turned it down. Uh, yeah, that's so how evaluation the, works. Yeah, they they yeah. go they go down in this uh they go they go down this kind of like weird tech industry thing where it's like ooh, why are you worth that much money but ooh the biggest company in the world doesn't own you so pluses and lows I'm still I'm starting to become scared of them now but I'm glad Microsoft doesn't own it yeah and the IPO will bring like other problems but it's definitely like a better of two like evils yeah. like I'd rather have them have like pushing weird like we're probably going to see nitro pushed in like a weird way they've already had some like kerfluffles with uh partners and like partnered servers and like being kind of like aggressive with their emailing and like how they handle partnered servers because on discord on like other platforms you don't get to keep your partner like once you're partnered you're not like partnered forever it's like you have to keep a level of conversation up on your server. And if your server drops down below that, then they take your partnership away. And they've had a couple partners just like drop their partnerships in the last couple months because they were just tired of the like very aggressive corporate style emails. And so going for an IPO means more of that coming, but at least it's not Microsoft owns everything. Four Gears of War 5 players have been swiftly banned indefinitely from professional play after an incident earlier last week where they harassed female streamers on Twitch with abusive and sexually charged attacks for over 90 minutes, causing the streamer to end her broadcast early. This set off a cascade of events that saw weekly matches suspended and the online challenger tournament that was scheduled for Sunday canceled. It's nice to see that Microsoft and the coalition take this incident seriously and handled it in such a swift manner. My question is, what action is Twitch going to take? I I like this a lot. I don't know the Twitch part that you mentioned, the part that is that the part that's us interjecting. The Twitch part is the one that gets a little iffy because they're not consistent. Like they have recently, you know, made a statement saying, you know, we've changed our what is the word rules. Let's just say rules. They changed code of conduct, I think, is their terminology. They changed our code of conduct, and now we will potentially ban people from the platform for things they do outside of the platform. But this is something that was done inside of the platform. So there's no thing, nothing that they can do to like wiggle around having to get responsibility for this, like a group of streamers and esports players weaponized their fan base and themselves included and went into a stream and harassed someone sexually for an hour and a half. They got to do something. And these aren't from small teams, these are. These are big esports teams with multiple players from multiple games. And I want to see how they end up handling these players if they end up letting them go. Because a couple of years ago when, you know, Team Panda, formerly Panda Global, 
had their player infiltration get arrested and convicted of, you know, abusing his wife. They dropped him immediately and Capcom Pro Tour banned him, but only temporarily. But he's still on Twitch and he's still getting lots of support on Twitch because when whenever something happens like that, a bunch of terrible people come and is like, you know what? We know you're all, you know you're really good and we're going to support you and give you all the money. We're going to give you all the subs. You're going to be even more sexual than you were before. Yay! I don't want that to happen here. So people better ban them because this isn't even a, a situation where it's like, they're questioning whether it really. We all know what happened. You see them; they're there. It's there's the logs, yeah. there's chat logs, there's vods. There's, all these things exist, so it just it just needs to happen quick. There's also screenshots. You could, we'll link in the show notes of one of the people who reported on it had like screenshots of what they were saying to her. So, yeah, I just worry that they'll be like the league handled it, so we don't have to handle it. My other concern is game. Like we'll see them jump games. They'll just be like, okay, well, I can't play Gears of War 5 anymore, so I'm going to, like, jump games. Because we saw that with, I can never remember his name, the Overwatch player who's now the Valorant player who just... Oh, uh, Sinatra. Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just afraid that that'll be another situation where we'll see these people show up in another esports. Yeah, I was checking the four teams that were associated with this incident, and last time I checked, none of them had made a statement on whether or not they were going to be dropping the player, but... I feel like a statement is coming soon, and I feel like these players are going to be dropped from their various teams. I know the teams are already looking to get replacement players to play in the Gears Leagues that will be continuing. I don't know if they had a hard day on when the next tournament will be, but they've canceled the current ones so they can give teams enough time to replace their players or trade. But yeah, as far as I'm aware, they haven't made any statement on whether or not these assholes have been dropped. Hopefully, that statement will come when they have the new rosters up and everything. But yeah, I really hope Twitch does something. I know it's very likely that Twitch won't because the league has already taken action, but Twitch really needs to step up, especially since they've already said that they were planning on it. One thing that strikes out to me that also needs to happen is that I need, <laughs> it won't. Like I, I, The reason that I, I was going to say my opinion that I lagged for a minute I saw Spencer drinking, and I felt like there's a chance that Spencer would laugh if I said this. Uh, <laughs> YouTube needs to do something, right? And because there's a big old opportunity that, like, chance that like these streamers take their Twitch content, post to YouTube, and just have a great YouTube following, a big big YouTube videos, and all that stuff. And even if they're play, they're banned from competing in professionally in their games, they could still make YouTube content and foster a very strong community there and spew whatever hate speech they can do there without having any worry because of the thing that they did on Twitch. So if, if there's some like some unity in how, how justice was served, which is a thing that's never happened. And I don't have a lot of hope that it will. That that's what I'd like to see happen. Yeah. That's a good point because I think we saw it with, oh, I can't think of his name. Onsen. Onisan. It's one of the big YouTubers came over to Twitch and was partnered immediately. After being, like, demonetized on YouTube and, like, not allowed to have, like, all of the creator things after his, like, abusive nature came out. But Twitch was like, yeah, come on. Like, Twitch and YouTube at some point in time are going to have to understand that, like, they have a symbiotic relationship whether they like it or not. Like, they think they're competitors, but the way that Twitch is built you almost have to use YouTube to drive people to your Twitch channel. So they're going to have to start like talking to each other about code of conduct 
things. I don't, I agree. I don't think it will happen. They'll just be like, whatever. If he does something on the platform, then we'll do something. But, but this was on the platform. That's oh, I'm saying YouTube. YouTube oh, will gotcha, be like, gotcha. we can't do anything because he hasn't done anything on yeah. our platform. And it's like, but you can clearly see where this is, where the behavior is. For context, the players are Vital from Vanquish Gaming, Noe from um, from Hive, Reptilian from Noble Esports, a player whose name I've heard of, which means that they're big enough, and Shock from Elevate. All right. Well, let's move on from that to CD Projekt Red's quarterly report. It showed us that Cyberpunk 2077 sold 13.7 million copies by the end of 2020. 7.67 million copies on PC, 3. 84 million copies were sold on PS4 and 2.33 million copies were sold on Xbox One. When asked about Stadia sales, the executives started to laugh. Rep Stadia or Rep Stadia. <laughs> yeah, poor Stadia. <laughs> yeah, who who know we'd be like sitting in the room and be like poor Google, right? But like this is one of those scenarios where like yeah, Google sucks. Big, big company, big organization, corporation, they don't care about people's lives. But, like, if you have, like, a, a business deal with a group and, like, you give them a bunch of power, you put Google marketing behind pushing their game. And in a way where, like, we know that it's not going to do, like, it's not going to sell ridiculously on Google Stadia. Because nothing sells ridiculously on Google Stadia, right? But, like, to have in your... Your sales report in your in your big meeting that like presses ad and and a bunch of people will hear about it's like hey what about this platform <laughs> you stupid like you don't want to hear that from someone you had a business deal with they're not gonna get a like a a great Stadia deal if Stadia deal exists again when The Witcher Four comes out or whatever but they don't actually care because like that's how well this game did anyway. Because yeah. it didn't, it it did less than they wanted to, but thirteen point seven million is still a lot. That's still close to a billion dollars in revenue. And not to mention that they refunded only three hundred thousand copies of the game, which means like, was it three hundred thousand or thirty thousand? I thought it was oh, it might, it might have been thirty thousand. Yeah, it was like a tiny amount. It was like surprisingly low how many they actually refunded. And not to mention, it also got pulled on the PS4 digital store. And it's still outsold uh, the Xbox One copy of the game by like yeah. a million and a half. That that's the thing. That's if you ever wanted to know how much the Xbox One was lagging behind the PS4, like this was the big game last year. It was like the the big game, even though the launch was still kind of a trash fire in some ways. It clearly, was still successful, and the PS4 had it on its store for like two weeks. And yeah. sold 3.84 and the Xbox One store had it the entire time and sold 2.33. That's that's how big of a gap there was with like yeah, it also it also had the marketing push for Xbox. Like the special edition console was an Xbox One, the they had special edition controllers that controller. were sold separately. Yeah, it was Xbox One. Like, yeah. They had all the marketing push behind it was Xbox One, and it's still PS4 was just like, nope, we're still going to sell way more. <laughs> but one thing this really shows me, and I think should show the rest of the industry, is that like 
change needs to come from within and we need to actually care about change for things to happen because the the casual person playing games it's like they know what the big game is it's coming out they're gonna get it they don't hear any of the things that we that like we talk about they're not the ones that are like looking up on neogaf and all these other places finding the information about what they did wrong with terms of representation what they did wrong with terms of crunch what they did wrong with like the, the horrible launch that they had some people might just think oh this is a buggy game but the other games are buggy and i guess that's what i have to live with like this game still sold so well in spite of all those facts all those things that we know and it's it's just gonna keep going being that way if we don't want to change things now eventually things are going to matter you're going to get worse reputations and stuff but a bunch of people are going to buy fallout 5 when it comes out even though fallout 4 was a big old buggy mess that it's kind of remained a buggy mess for a long time because people love Fallout 4. Fallout 4 and was good. Fallout 76 was the buggy one. No, the, Fallout but, 4 was a total buggy mess on console. It was a nightmare. We were just <laughs> still accepting of it at that time. Yeah. Is it Jeff Gersman who like got in a big fight with Rooster Teeth because he was like, yeah, this game, he scored the game super low because he played it on PlayStation 4 and it was like a buggy mess the whole time he played it. And then he went and played some of it on PC and was like, yeah, it's a pretty fine game on PC. But on PlayStation 4, it's bad. I just want us to be better. I've said this before in this podcast, and I don't know if it's made it into yet or not. But uh, I want to see uh, smaller games from less people who get paid more that are a little bit more buggy. But not not like this. Because it was a big studio, big money, and it's more buggy because of crunch. So that just kind of goes against the spirit of everything that I say. Just take the time that you need. Don't overpromise. Don't show big old mechanics that are supposed to be a big part of your game in the marketing, and then it just doesn't show up and you never say anything. Don't do that. Just are we just talking about it. flying cars? Because that's the one that really <laughs> gets me with Cyberpunk. Was there was like cars flying everywhere in those E three like playthroughs and walkthroughs, and there are zero flying cars in the game. And as a person who uh. I should word this. Who has worked on some open world stuff in my day? I when I saw the flying cars, I was like, "How is this possible?" Because logistically <laughs> speaking, getting cars to spawn at the same level and not be weird—it's cars in an open world in general are kind of a mess when you can interact with them and steal them and blah blah blah. Cars in the air too. How is this possible? <laughs> Apparently, it was not. Apparently, it was not. It's possible in GTA. <laughs> But another thing to like point out with the Cyberpunk news is that it sold 13.7 million copies by the end of 2020. Three million of those are pre-order. So the game sold 10 million in a month and a half, which is insane. That is kind of wild because like that, I think, really hammers home the point that there are just a lot of people who are like, I buy a Madden, a shooter, and then some other game. And Cyberpunk just happened to be that other game that they bought right because like i feel like if you were like into like following how gaming news went it was pretty clear pretty early that that game was like technically all over the place and the final bit of this that is like super important to remember is that this game is going to get a very large mark second marketing push again because the end of this quarter report they mentioned oh and they're planning for next gen releases this year still um later this year and if that does come a lot of that money's you're just gonna see the big mark if there's an e3 
I bet you better believe there's going to be cyberpunk at some E3 stages at some point. And they're like, and this time the game works and it's current gen. The thing that should have happened last year. Yeah, it's going to sell several million again. I, I truly believe that this game is going to be extremely subtle. Are they going to announce the DLC pack and it's going to sell even more because of that? Probably. Probably. It, it's it's going to be a cycle that keeps going if we don't, as an industry, make notice. That's true. I think that's going to do it for the Scrum this week. So we're going to move on into free play. And we've got a first impressions for Near Replicant. <sighs> my experience with Near Replicant starts with a story. And I like starting every time I talk with a story. So it's not very different from any time that I say anything. But I'm going to tell you a story of what happened on Saturday. This past Saturday. So this game came out uh, last week, Thursday. Thursday, as of listening to this. Friday I work. Saturday was the first day I played it. I oh, I turned that game on. I am having a good time. I'm fighting. The combat's still works kind of fun, kind of repetitive, which is exactly what I've been to in JRPGs. Like, that's what I look love. And I'm getting about four and a half, five hours in. And I was like, okay, that's good. That's a good gaming session. What is today? It's Saturday. You know what that means? It's time to see an anime in a movie theater. I'm going to a movie theater. I'm fully vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated for a month. Can I go to a movie theater and feel nice? Can I feel, like, comfortable? If I go in there and it's super crowded while I walk out, absolutely. I go to this movie theater and I see this anime movie. The anime movie for Demon Slayer, Kimitsu no Yaiba. And it's it's great. There are, like, four of the people in this full movie theater <laughs> with me. They're all in different rows. I'm watching this movie. It's been the first time I've been in a movie since I saw Onward in March of 2020. Uh, March 13th, 2020, specifically. And I am having a good time. I get out of the movie theater. I'm like, I am. I, I don't watch a lot of anime. I go through anime phases. I think this is the start of a new anime phase. I walk out. I hear the birds chirping, the dogs barking. And I walk home. And I thought, I'm going to turn on my PS5. I'm going to go to this country lot. I'm going to watch all of an anime. So I'm like half into Jujutsu Kaisen with my partner. And we we turn it on and we listen and we watch the rest of like 10 episodes. We get to episode 22 and the game crash, the 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 app crashes. That happens sometimes. It's like, well, uh, do you want to close and restart and send some information to the people? Like, sure. I do that and wait a couple seconds. Like, oh, it's taking a while. Go to the bathroom. Come back maybe five minutes later. Oh, it's still doing this. Let me just go to Google Chrome. Go on my Chromecast, watch the Crunchyroll app there, do that, finish watching Jujutsu Kaisen, like maybe an hour and a half, two hours later, come back to my PS5 app. It is still closing. Can I press the PS Home button to get out of the screen? No. Can I do anything? No. It is, it, it's soft locked my console. I can't do anything. So I think nothing of it. I was like, crap, I guess I have to unplug this console. I unplug it, I plug it back. The PS5 said, oh, you were. You know, this was turned off unexpectedly, you know, recovering, blah, 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 sending information. I was like, okay, whatever. And then I go back to Near Replicate and realized this is an old JRPG. This is a JRPG from the PS3 era. There is not autosaves in this game. When was the last time I saved it? Three hours into the gameplay. So I lost half of the thing. I was waiting. I was trying to get about 10 hours into the game to the point where, 
you know, it's one of those old JRPGs, so it gets good when you're 10 hours in, and for Nier games, that's very specific as well. And it and it hurt me that I couldn't do that because the damn Crunchyroll app. Crunchyroll fixed your shit um, on the PlayStation 5. That being said, what I did play of Nier, I liked quite a bit. Now, I must mention that Nier has a just horribly transphobic uh, trophy in the game. When you There's a character who is coded as trans who there's a trophy where you look under their skirt or look under their clothes and you, the trophy pings in the description is something like you revealed in one of their deepest secrets or something like that. We're just talking about their genitals, which is shitty and terrible. Never do this. This is not a part of the game experience. This game is a 2013 game. They didn't have a trophy for it. Then they don't need a trophy for it. Now 2013, I'm saying 2013. I mean, to say PS3 game. They didn't have a trophy for it. Then they didn't need now. If they did have a trophy for it, then oof, I didn't actually check for that trophy. I think this is a game before trophies, but they they didn't need to do that, and that's horrible. And I get that Yoko Taro like wants to fuck all of his characters, and he's like, "Ooh, I want my characters in porn one day." Blah blah blah. Like that's weird, but like as an artist, that's like what you can do, and it's not necessarily harmful. But this is harmful, and they did it in Near Automata Two, where there's a trophy for looking up the main character Two B skirt, and we just need to stop doing that. Why is this in games? Why is this the thing that you want people to interact, the thing that you want to emulate, the, the the behavior, the digital behavior that you want people to get rewarded for? That doesn't sound, why Why would you want that? That's fucked up. It's fucked up. Now, that being said, going back to what I experienced from the game, I'm still early in this game, and it's one of those games that, that has, that's very ephemeral and gets deeper and darker as things, things goes, and there's a, like, probably a tonal shift at some point, a tonal shift that I haven't experienced. But early on, I'm already experiencing some of the feelings that I felt when I played Nier Automata, a game that I love, um, with the storytelling. Because there's a scene early in Nier Automata where you're told as this, like, android military woman person thing, code down to this area. There are these robots here. They're dangerous. You need to kill them. And you go down and you interact with these robots and you see them in their place, and then you find out that it's a place of worship. These robots have found God. These robots have started to identify as being pacifist and just want to love you. And your mission is kill these dangerous robots. So as you're as you're attacking these robots, as I'm hitting them, I'm like, I, I really don't want to do this. And as I'm doing it, they make me not want to do it even more because these robots that look tiny, look like they're children, sound like children, are like, please don't kill us. We're just we're just praying. We just want to. You just want to be fine. It's like making this statement about military presences in places. And it makes you feel terrible. And then later I'm learning that, like, I didn't even have to do that. Like, the objective on the screen told me to do that. And if I just didn't, I didn't need to. And it's one of those games where it's like, that's not for everybody. Where you can look at objectives and feel tricked into seeing that type of thing, and then learning that you don't need to do it. But I felt intrigued in that, like, oh, I can... Things happen when I disagree with this game or what this game is presenting as. And I feel like that this is the experience that I'm going to get with Near Replicant. Because in the very beginning of the game, like, I'm talking to you, you load the game, you see a cutscene you put in, you're put into an area, you immediately start fighting these things called shades, which are little transparent, uh, things that are positioned as monsters that like look kind of human-like that hold swords and can attack you. And you're protecting your sister from these shades. But 
I'm looking at the shades at the beginning of the game and I already see these shades look human like. And I and I don't know if that means anything. I don't. I might be like prophesizing something that I that I'm building up because it's a near game. But I can say that this game is just telling me to attack these things and they look so similar to human anatomy in fact that they I'm just finding things that look like big people and finding things that look like just straight up children. And it, it already makes me uncomfortable. And I'm already seeing like traces of like where Neurotomata got its heart from, which is fascinating for me. I, I I think I like it. I also noticed some things that I hope are good about this game that aren't for me to say whether they're good, but I, I think it's interesting that they're trying. The accessibility options are very interesting in this game. There's auto battle. So you can just have the game just do all the fights for you. Which I that's a, that's existing games. That's not new. That's not different. But that's good, right? It's good for people that want to play games and this and gives more people access to it. But it also has a ton of when I was looking in the controls, R2 is to dodge, and I'm like, in modern game circles to dodge, I want to change this. You cannot change controls willy-nilly like that. But they do have different preset controls, and there's a default control setting, and then there's four other control settings. There are two for people that want to play with one hand, and that hand is the left hand, and there's two for people that want to play with one hand, and that's the right hand. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that? I have not seen that. That's a very strange preset. I mean, it makes sense, though. Right? Yeah. It it makes a lot of sense. I just would not have thought of that at all. And I think... I really don't know of another game that's done this before. It it can definitely do more with its accessibility options as far as, like offering more than just that but i've i've never seen that and i i i, I looked at uh, the website can i play that which is a website that does accessibility reviews for games and they haven't con- gotten to this game yet or i don't know and i don't know if they will but i i'm i'm fascinated to see if any of our listeners know anything about that type of thing if want to like send in an email send and go into our discord or hit up us on twitter to see if there's a thing because i find that interesting and i don't know if it's good enough and if it, but if it is good enough, I think that's like fascinating and excuse the pun, game changing, um, for a studio to start doing that out of nowhere. Um, now, I didn't talk about the experience of playing, of like how the game feel is for this game and how the gameplay feels. Uh, it feels okay. Like it, it's a, it's a hack and slash. There's not a lot of depth in the combat yet for me. I know that as the game progresses, I get more weapons and. And there's like a book that talks to you that that shoots things that 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 also has like magic come out of it. That's like your thing. That's also kind of a demon. It's one of those games, um, but it doesn't feel terrible. It just feels like not special or doing anything different. It just feels good enough. I did like. I feel like I discovered wave dashing in this game. And if you don't know what wave dashing is, wave dashing is a technique in fight in some fighting games and in Smash Brothers, where uh, you cancel an action out of a dash to initiate another dash to then move faster than traditionally. Oh, and uh, because I felt the walking and running was too slow, I dashed and then canceled that into a dash attack, which then can then be canceled into another dash, and it feels like I'm moving really, really fast. And that made me feel like a gamer. I just, I just, I just discovered the strat. I don't know if it's actually faster. <laughs> it feels like it made me feel cool and fun. What but, you're uh, saying is you're going to speed run this game. <laughs> listen, if don't tempt me, Tiger. 
all, all of last year, like for the first six months of last year, I would sit on my exercise bike. I'd, I'd ride my exercise bike and I'd practice speed running Mega Man X4. Oh, on the Nintendo Switch, so not a real speed run, but like because I've played that game so much and I figured out how to do the fast movement and fast attacking. I'm like, I guess it's the thing I'm going to practice. I'm not going to do it for the internet. I'm just doing it for me. I would do that for this game if I learned that it's easy enough. Do it, I tell me. Uh, I I will have more a more detailed thoughts and review later this week. The way that the, this game and Nier Automata does endings means that I don't know how long I'm going to be putting into this game because they use the word ending very loosely. You'll get, you'll do some things. You'll usually fight a boss. You'll get an ending, and. You'll load that save up, and there's just a lot more game to play. Uh, and then you'll get more endings, and they'll do weird. They'll they always do weird stuff. Um, and for I, I realize I didn't mention this in this long uh, rant that I'm giving. Uh, Near Replicant is a remake of the game Near, which is the predecessor to Near Automata. The ways in which they are connected are spoilery as hell. So I'm not going to get into them. <laughs> Spoilery for both the current and the previous game, so I'm not going to really get into them. But uh, it's an interesting remake. This is a remake that I'm super for. We've talked a decent amount about remakes and what games need to be remade and what games, who's asking for it. And this is one of those scenarios where I'm like, I'm super fine with this game being remade because it wasn't particularly successful when it originally came out. It was and not. <laughs> it wasn't reviewed well. Like in Western markets, I'm not sure about uh, other reviewers, but it wasn't particularly reviewed well. But we weren't. I don't. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I'd ever thought I'd say this. I don't think we the the mainstream games industry was ready for this type of game at that point. A game that's like super sad and not direct all the time, and like really weird in how it interprets endings. You know? Yeah, you're gonna say. That? Oh, you know, I agree. This game is like sad with a. It's just like near is like sad as like the original game. I think of like when I think of like games that were more than like I am a powerful thing that I'm just going to smash my way through whatever I was doing. Like you don't feel that way in the original. So I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how it like feels modern with a more modern look. <laughs> yeah, I am someone who really loved the Jacking Guard series. I've and, never heard that sentence before in my life. Right? <laughs> I I know. I'm one of the very few people that really enjoyed that series. And I know that the original Nier was a spinoff of one of the various endings to Guard 2. So I was very interested in trying Nier. But literally, the entire industry as a whole just questioned what Nier was. And no one really spoke fondly of it. So it was one of those games that just, like, I put it in my backlog, but not really... And there was two different versions between the 360 and the PS3 where they, one uh, one version had one playable character and the other version had the other playable character. But this remake, I believe, is more based on the PS3 version, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'm glad that this game also got a remake. I'm glad more people are giving it a chance. And I hope that retroactively, this means Dragon Guard will get more love. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But who knows? Maybe. Uh, Zach, I feel like you just gotta take this one. I think you just gotta play Nier. <laughs> like, when I say Nier is great because it got a remake and it's a game that wasn't successful particularly, but it wasn't like horrible. It had a cult following. Dragon Guard had a cult following, but an even smaller cult following. Like, yeah. 
the fact that Nier was a sequel slash spinoff to that series, it was originally already like an amazing accomplishment in my eyes. Uh, the fact that Nier Automata came out of Nier was another amazing accomplishment. Now we're getting a remake of a game that like had a lot of the ideas there, but didn't execute on the gameplay in a way that made people want to buy it post Nier Automata. Where like, I'll take this. I don't know how many other instances we're going to get this type of thing in the industry. Like big AAA budget remakes are like just making a new game and to put your trust in a game that wasn't successful already. It just doesn't seem like a thing a lot of places are going to do. But I am enjoying this game so far, and we'll have more to say next week. Man, I really... I haven't played Drakengard in forever, but I remember really liking Drakengard 3. I um, mean, you would have been an interesting kid to be friends with. Because, <laughs> like, I was also the one to play the weird JRPGs no one's heard of. I played it because I had dragons in it. I was like, oh, hell yeah, dragon game, let's go. That's all you need. <laughs> Explaining Nier Automata, I realized... The way that I used to explain that game is like it's a game about depressed robots. And yeah. Knowing that this game pre- preceded that, I'm just super excited. Yeah, I think the first game's on Game Pass, so I'll definitely give it a shot. A game I've been playing this week is the small little indie game called Rain on Your Parade. This game launched on Tuesday. It's available day one on Xbox Game Pass for both console and PC. And it's just the cutest little monstrous puzzle game ever it has similar vibes to untitled goose game and moving out and overcooked in that like stylistic vibe but you basically play as a cardboard box rain cloud and the whole like objective of the game is just to like mess around with the people and the world around it like the very first level of the game uh, you're a wedding crasher and the mission of that level is to raid on both the bride and the groom. Once you accomplish that, you can move on to the next level. And like every level just has like small little fun objectives, some optional objectives that will reward you with customizations for your cloud. And the developers who made this game are also like huge fans of video games in general and just like random like nostalgic things for the past. So there are levels that are just complete references to other things. Last night, I was playing the game, and there was a Metal Gear Solid level where the objective was to sneak through a base with your cloud dressed up as Solid Snake. It's like, oh, you can't be uh, caught? And you had to like make it to the end and blow up the big machine at the end of it. And there's a story level that's based on The Office, and one of the objectives is to make the guy drop the chili pot. And it's oh, like, no. right? Yeah. And it's like, there's just so many references in this game. And like, either a level will be based entirely around one thing, or it'll just have like small little references here or there. One of my favorite levels was based on Legend of Zelda. And it was like a small, it's, it's one of the longest levels in the game. But it's like a small 10 minute RPG where you talk to a guy, he gives you a small quest. You go away, you come back, your village is destroyed, and he gives you a sword. And the line is, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. And you get a little sword. And it's just like a very like short RPG within this weird physics puzzle game. But yeah, Right on Your Parade is a lot of fun. I have already beaten the game. The game takes, I would say, about an hour, hour and a half to like beat the main campaign. Once you beat the game, you unlock uh, 
you unlock the quote I beat the game edition of the game, which is New Game Plus, which gives you more objectives and more abilities. But yeah, it's a fun little physics puzzler where you just go around destroying the lives of all the innocent townspeople in Seattle. The game I, I didn't find out until the very end. The game is based in Seattle. One of the final missions is protect the, the town of Seattle from invaders. But yeah, it's a, just a fun little puzzle game. It's on Game Pass, it's on Switch, and it's on PC. It's not on PS4 yet, but that's because I believe this game is an ID at, ID at Xbox game. So it will be coming to PS4, but right now the marketing and everything is for Xbox slash Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, check it out. It's fun. It's uh, a great time. It's just a really fun, enjoyable game. And the music's also super chill. The art style is very warm and peaceful. It's nice. And you get to be a cardboard cloud dressed up like Solid Snake. That's, yeah. That, that sells it for me. <laughs> right. Looking for Metal Gear. I love that your description of that game told me everything and nothing. Like, yeah. I was like, I have no clue what this game is. But I like, I know what it is, but I have no clue what, like, <laughs> that description. And I'm not saying your description is bad. I'm just saying, like, this game is so out there that I'm like, what? I have to yeah. at least look at it now. Yeah, if you are a fan of smaller indie games like Untitled Goose Game, you will enjoy games like uh, Rain on Your Parade because it's the same basic principle. It's just destructive fun. All right. So I guess that gets to what I've been playing, which is a lot of Oregon Trail. (laughs) Um, I'm playing the 2021. That's right. 2021. That's the year we're in. Um apple arcade version of oregon trail and i can't stop playing it and part of it is because any screen in my house practically i can play it on because we have an apple tv i have a mac i have an ipad and an iphone so like if there's a screen within handable distance i can I can play Oregon Trail, which is fun. And the other reason I keep playing it is they have taken the classic game that everybody loves and remixed a lot of things into it that make it way better. Like you get randomized characters who have different backgrounds and strengths and weaknesses. And you get to pick from like three Three each time for the four people. So you'll get to choose from like a pool of 12 every time you start a trail to Oregon. I still have not made it to Oregon. I was just about to ask if you've made it to Oregon yet. I have not. I made it to Colorado, so we're getting there. Oh, okay. Closer. Playing this game, do you get vibes of the original Oregon Trail at all? 100%. A lot of the like jokes about like fording the river and like... You have dysentery, like all of those are around, and um, but you like they expand on that too, right? Like they let you interact with people on the trail, which you didn't get to do before. It was just you and your party because that's what it was just you and your party. And even in like remakes of it, where they like updated it and stuff, it was always just who was in your party. But this one, you get to interact with people who are at the different like stopping points so like at the forts at the rivers it'll be like do you want to trade do you want to talk and so that gives you like different like it gives you stuff to do every time you go through the trail so that makes it not like 
as frustrated. Like, I think if I was just talking to the people, I'd be frustrated that I hadn't gotten to Oregon yet. But I'm still like, I'm going to get there one day. It's fine. This is also, yeah. this is the type of uh, remake that I want to see in a game as well. Like, I mentioned Nier Automa, Nier Replicant being the type of remake that needs to happen. Also this. Like, the stuff like this, stuff like Tetris Effect and Tetris 99, like, giving depth or extra depth, rather, and spins to, like, games that are, like, the foundations of the art form in general, like, is just a beautiful thing to see. Because you're bringing in, you're fixing some things that are, like, maybe culturally insensitive or just wiping out the history of people in other games. In this game, there are indigenous people and Native Americans. And that wasn't the case in Oregon Trail 1. Uh or vanilla Oregon Trail. And it's also just making this game like available to a completely new audience as a part of like it's one of the things that Apple Arcade's doing well. I always say it, Apple Arcade, best deal in games because <laughs> it's the one that's the most accessible. Yeah. Four ninety nine right now, still. Yeah, four ninety nine and like they also run the deals like when you get a new iPhone, they're like, you get it for three months or six months or like yeah, so like they get it and they get you into that like ecosystem well. I also think it does like I have played now more and have um had interactions with a lot of the native not a lot, but a more native um characters and it really does a good job of making that game feel more real. Like they are not very trusting of you. They they understand what's at what what's going on by go by all of They're these smart. people going down the trail. Yeah. And so um that's good. Um I there was a cute like story interaction where you like help a girl get married, which is like you think it's like silly, but like it was like a really good it's like in the first run and it hasn't been in any subsequent runs because you can either start your run like once you you die or the wagon becomes unusable or all your oxen die like there's a couple different like game ending states you can start at the last fort that you were at or you can um start at the last fort you were at or you can start at the beginning of the trail and go again and i've done both um and they're like i don't know if it's that when you do like when you complete a storyline like it just doesn't come back because i have seen other conversations multiple times but this one specifically like you find this girl she's trying to find this guy and she doesn't really tell you why she's trying to find the guy but she's trying to find this guy and then you find the guy and the guy's like i'm looking for this girl i want her to get married and then you find the girl's parents and they're like hey our daughter ran off and we've got this banker lined up for her to marry at this fort could you like if you see her could you tell her like hey come to this fort you've got to marry this banker we've lined up for you and then you run into her again and she's like i don't really want to do that like that's not like i don't like him i don't want an arranged marriage i want to marry this pioneer that i've met and so we're going to do that and like then you get to like one of the forts and like there's a wedding but, like, if you hadn't picked those ways, you can, like, make it so that she has to go marry the banker. So, like, how it branches and forks is really interesting to me and makes it super replayable. And the puzzle for when you get damage 
to your wagon. Like you have to like Tetris puzzle around like places where damage is if you can't repair it. So that means you have to like make decisions about like, am I going to take these clothes or leave these clothes or can I repair this? Like, yeah. So it's really good. I like it a lot. <laughs> and this is, this is Oregon Trail. Like, I, just, I just need to say it again. That the <laughs> description of the game that you just said was Oregon Trail. Yep. Not the game that I played in my Windows 95 computer in elementary school. <laughs> this is not that, though it has like the roots of that. It is It is branched off to become something with branching narratives. And, yeah. And, I mean, Oregon Trail always had RPG elements, but even deeper ones. Puzzles. All these things. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's great. I love it. I love that this game exists. Out of curiosity, how long on average would you say your runs have been? Because I remember the old school Oregon Trail, and in my mind, I remember all the runs being relatively short because I always made reckless choices and ended up dying quickly. <laughs> um, I think it's about... It's hard because I only play it in like 10 or 15 minute like chunks usually because I can just like, it has a really good like cloud save. So like, I'm not super worried about it, but I think maybe I'm trying to think the longest I've played continuously is about an hour. And that was one run to the second fort out of five. So, okay. There's a lot more stops where like it used to be like, in between the main stops you think of on like the game there are like hunting places and gathering places and all of those branch out so like you're trying to fill out your map too while you're doing all these multiple runs so that you know like where all the berries are and where all the abandoned wagons are and like that thing all that and this is an Apple Arcade exclusive at the moment, correct? I think it will be an Apple Arcade exclusive forever. Apple put oh, up the money sweet. to make it. <laughs> That's very good to hear. Yeah. And so. if Apple, if you're listening and you're looking for <laughs> other games to give money to to put on Apple Arcade, I, you know, it's not to say I haven't wanted or tried to do this before in other channels. This is kind of like we should talk. It, it has a phone interface. People want it on mobile so much. I would love for it to come to Apple Arcade exclusively. Potentially. Uh, and have money as a result of it. Money. <laughs> All right. I agree. We should talk to be on Apple Arcade. That feels like a game match made in heaven. Uh, let's talk about Tales of Vesperia. We're all playing that. I have... I started playing this game, uh, the Definitive Edition, whenever it came out on Switch. And I played it for a month, got real far into it, 40 hours, and then another game came out. Uh, that took away my time. I think that game was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Don't quote me on that. And I started playing it again a couple weeks ago, and man, it is really hard to go into an old JRPG and pick up where you left off. It's hard to do that with a new JRPG, but a JRPG that doesn't show you what tasks you were doing, doesn't keep any visual track of your side quest, that is rough. I still love the game, but like now I'm tethered to a very good and detailed walkthrough to get me through parts of the game so i feel like i see enough to get my experience that i want to get but it's uh still one of my favorite casts in the tales game one of the most unique casts uh of characters that are like not the typical archetypes that you see in tales games which is like the the main character who has a strong sense of justice and is kind of a cop not this time uh the cop we do have one of those the edgy guy who fights and is cool 
I mean, kind of, but not really don't have that. Uh, the ladies man doesn't don't really have that either. No, <laughs> those are all archetypes you really see commonly in Tales games. And not all none of the characters really fit into a lot of those molds, which makes the their interactions and their talks and their skits like more vibrant than I have experienced in some other Tales games. Because I'm seeing the types of conversations that I'm not used to seeing. Like, what did did that person die? Do you know what happened? Ooh, ooh, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Like that, that's the type of stuff that be going on. That, that I I love that type of thing. Like the the game overall is just about like what justice means and what it means to be responsible to take care of other people while also having this underlying feeling about environmental conservation and the rich. Uh, and just people in Western society in general, like overusing resources. But that's every Tales game. Every Tales game talks about that in some way. This game is no different. Yeah, for me, this game is a huge nostalgic trip because I originally played this game on 360, beat it on the 360. It was, at the time, my second Tales game, and I really love this game. It's definitely one of my favorites. Playing the Definitive Edition on Xbox Now it is so like breathtaking to see like, oh, this game is much prettier, but I'm reminded of the fact that this is a remake of a old JRPG where dialogue is dependent on you pressing X or A, or you have to keep pressing a button to, to continue dialogue. It doesn't go automatically on its own. That sucks. Right. But another like huge thing about the definitive edition is that there are characters in the definitive edition that don't exist in the original game one of the main characters is patty and she was not even a concept or a reference in the original game so seeing her and her introduction to vesperia is has been game-changing literally and i was worried because i was uh concerned that because I knew Vesperia's story so well with the original cast that I thought Patty would be a character that got shoehorned in and doesn't necessarily fit well. But playing, I haven't finished the definitive edition yet, but like all of my experiences with Patty have been amazing. They introduce her slowly throughout the story and she just fits so well. Her reactions to the cast and to the events happening around her just all make sense. And it feels as if she was always a part of the story, whereas I know she wasn't always a part of the story. And that's one of the things I think this game does so well is integrating this new character and uh, new mechanics and seeing all the small changes into the game and the small quality of life changes added to it from the 360 version is like, really nice to see and i'm having a great time with it i'm only i would say maybe one fourth of the way through but i'm definitely planning on playing this game more and hopefully beating it soon within a month maybe i think this is the first instance of everybody like all the hosts of this podcast playing a single game at the same time and how much it doesn't mean that we're all going to beat it we're just all experiencing a thing at some point of the game at the same time which is kind of interesting which also means that this we're, we're likely to talk about it again now i am like 45 hours into the game this game is like a 45 hour game say 50 hour game theoretically that means i would beat it by the time we record next i'm not i'm going all into near that's what happened last <laughs> it'll, it'll come in another game but now i bookmarked the, the page of the walkthrough that i'm at because I, I thought about it this time thought about it am i gonna get caught up again I'm a couple hours in and I need to get a walkthrough 
Like, because I get super frustrated that there's no map and I'm like, yeah. I don't know where to go. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm constantly like walking around in circles. And I'm like, if Yuri wasn't cool, I'd be like out. Like, <laughs> he's Yuri lucky he's cool. cool. He's lucky he's cool. But no, I like it. I have only ever played, I don't know what Tales it is, but it came inside a Japanese 3DS I bought. Like, <laughs> They had left the game oh. in it, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll look at this." But that's not a that's not a fun. You have to like read the translation of how to play, right. and at the same time, and like, so this is like my first actual real go at a Tales game, and I like it. It's fun. My, my only game I ever got from buying a used DS was a uh, Barbie horse riding game. <gasps> I know exactly which game you're talking about. I have yeah. played that game. <laughs> Oh, you know what? That's not right. That's not true because it had a little carrying case and it also came with uh, Hannah Montana. Also, I did nice. not play that one. <laughs> the Barbie game was better than Hannah Montana, but we probably knew that already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. All right. So I think that's going to do it for this week. That's going to do it for this week. 11 patch rollout. Subscribe. Oh, no. Hold on. I forgot oh, to do. I didn't say goodbye to everybody. I need to leave you all. I'm just like, we're out of here. <laughs> so, Jordan, where can everybody find you on the internet? You go to Twitter.com slash Versified. You can also go to itch.io and type in We Should Talk and then purchase We Should Talk on itch.io on the Epic Game Store app that is there. Um, I'm Don't quote me on this because I haven't checked. But there also might be like the original version of We Should Talk, which is like a just a small demo, a small proof of concept of what it came to be that we put on itch.io uh, when it was just a student game. That might be there too. Give that a check it oh. out. Check it out. Because it, it's cute. It, it doesn't work as well. It, it's it's a lot more. Um, that version of that game came out when multiple people in the, uh, developing the game were going through breakups. So the, t- the feeling of those relationships are very different. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of game history <laughs> a little bit of game history but buy those things follow underscore we should talk on twitter uh i'll tell you here and you'll also be on my twitter but there'll be upcoming sales for that game um that i made soon so i'd like for you to buy, purchase them on the places that they're they're on sale and zyger where can everybody find you you can find me on twitter twitch uh, instagram on any sh- social media platform at zyger1337 that's zyger spelled with an x like an x-ray nice you got x-ray you did it i'd like to note the one week kaylee's not here so yes week 11 week 11 that's <laughs> when we finally got some real x words let's see if we'll keep it up yeah the answer is no <laughs> All right, I'm Spencer. You can find me as Miss Nintendeek64 all over the internet. That's Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. Uh, I also host a horror podcast by myself called Is It Halloween Yet? Uh, that comes out usually on Mondays, but it's coming out on this week on Wednesday, same day as this, because uh, editing's hard and recording audio is hard. That's going to do it for the week 11 patch rollout. Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Follow the weekly patch at the weekly patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or join the quality assurance process in our Discord server. Comments, questions, bug reports? Send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all of this and more in the episode, episode patch notes below. Week 11 patch complete. 
Oh, hold on a moment. Um, I think I just fixed the problem that's going on with my audio. But now I just got really loud. Uh, while you were doing that, I was just looking at the settings for my 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 device properties, and um, the volume was set to zero. Oh, uh, I was looking at Reddit, and apparently that just does that sometimes. So now I'm gonna set it to sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> and now I see volume levels. So, um, sorry, Kaylee, when you hear this. Because now there's going to be drastically different volume levels uh, mid-recording <laughs> uh, when we're already re-recording. So that sucks. But uh, I I didn't want to have to have a third week of re-recording looking this up. Sorry, guys. <laughs>